for the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. It's a brand new show. It is the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast, as Big Voice literally just told you. It's Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy, and Big Voice told you that too. Coming up today, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Eric Carlson trade. Oh, he's gone over to the dark side in a three-team swap. We'll talk about Mark Borvietsky got a job in Nashville, of course, still making his home in Ottawa. Had a chance to chat with him for about half an hour today. What a prince of a dude that guy is. Disappointing that the Sens didn't get their mitts on him almost seconds after he announced his retirement this summer. And uh, a whole lot more coming up on the program. How are you today, Coach? Well, I've wrenched my back, Steve. I'm in. I'm in a great deal of pain. It's that that uh, there must be something pinched in there because I can feel it going right down the backs of my legs into my knees, and I'm in terrible pain. But but I'm I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to persevere, and I'm I'm getting through this show. Well, it's good you don't have to stand behind Team Lebanon's bench tonight. That would suck. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm good to go, buddy. I'll be getting pucks in deep. Don't worry, I'm good to go. Absolutely, good in the corners, all good. Yeah, I remember going to. Uh, practice one day and was putting on my socks and completely threw my back out just by putting on my socks to the point where on the way to the practice and my daughter was freaking out in the back seat I literally had to pull over so I could just go into you know these convulsions and spasms and things (laughs) while I was dealing with it The, the back is no fun no question about that certainly lots of hockey players over the years have dealt with back problems you think about Mario Lemieux and so many others it is no fun whatsoever and speaking of penguins Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguins. He goes over to the dark side in a three-team swap that involved the Montreal Canadiens. And, I mean, Carlson, you think about him, and Ian Mendes had a good column on this today in The Athletic, kind of linked to the Penguins in a way. I think he got his first goal against the Penguins, the 2017 Eastern Conference final loss against the Penguins, and the Matt Cook incident. And now... He's he's over there playing for those guys. It's going to be kind of weird to see him in a penguin uniform, isn't it? Oh, well, he was rumored to be going there all along, wasn't it? It was it was Pittsburgh or Montreal, uh, pretty much from the or sorry, Pittsburgh or uh, or Toronto, I guess, right from the beginning, and it finally gets done. I think the one thing that that, that I think this trade says is, my God, don't general managers value cap space? But uh, San Jose didn't exactly get a a king's ransom back what well, really what they got was 10 million dollars worth of cap space because uh, they're they're picking up a million and a half of the salary and that's that's about it they they did not get a lot like i think montreal won this trade hands down no question about it if i'm a san jose shark i'm not real pleased about losing the reigning norris trophy champion and uh and getting what they got in ba- in return san jose ends up with michael granland who not that long ago was a pretty well regarded forward but yeah hasn't exactly lit it up since Mike Hoffman not yeah. only is that guy has career on the decline but he's also not you know seen as the best teammate I'll say that then you got <laughs> Jan Ruda who's slow as molasses they do get the conditional first round pick and they do purge what I guess is a, amounts to 10 million dollars they're going to keep a one and a half million per season of Carlson's contract and they do save $10 million. And as we saw here in Ottawa, you know, one of the uh, the bright sides of losing Alex Dabrinkit was the money savings that you could go out and do some other things with. And obviously, this just in, the Sharks are going to want to do some things 
in the midst of their rebuild. They probably don't want to go six years long like the Sens did. They want to get back to contention ASAP. So that's a factor as well. But it's still, if I'm a Shark fan, I'm probably feeling a, a little underwhelmed by the whole thing. Yeah. And, and if I'm a Montreal Canadian fan, of which, let's be very clear, I am not. Um <laughs> I, they made out like bandits here. Like, holy smokes. You you go, go look at the Jeff Petrie trade tree and when they traded him to Pittsburgh in the first place. And uh, Mike Matheson's in there. Like, the, 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 Habs, the Habs made out like bandits here. I, I'm I'm very, very impressed with, with Ken Hughes' job here in this, in this deal. Here's the full deal. Canadians received Jeff Petrie, Casey DeSmith, who I'd say has fallen out of favor with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everybody seems to fall out of favor with the Pittsburgh Penguins in goal, uh, except for maybe Tristan Jari, who had a pretty off season as well and gets a five-year contract. And I think about Matt Murray coming to Ottawa for, what, a fourth rounder and John Gruden. Uh, also, the Canadians get Nathan Laguerre. They get a second-round pick. They get uh, The Penguins are going to retain 25% of Petrie's salary. The Penguins, of course, get Carlson. They get former Hab forward Rem Pitlick, Dylan Hamiluk, and a third-rounder. And the Sharks get Michael Granlund, Jan Ruda, former Hab forward Mike Hoffman, a first rounder. And the Sharks retain $1.5 million of Carlson's cap hit. So mm-hmm. there is the whole deal. Is it? It's kind of interesting, too, that how connected Carlson and, and Hoffman have been throughout <laughs> yeah, their right? careers, right? You had the yeah. feud with the spouses getting all upset with each other. We won't get into details on that, but it got really, really ugly. Um, and that led to, well, maybe the start of the rebuild, really, because that's. That kind of preceded it, and Hoffman was one of the first to go. Carlson was gone later on in 2018, and I bet that that whole thing played into the decision to start a rebuild because really the dressing room had gone a little bit sour, and I'm sure there were guys lining up on either side, Hoffman or Carlson. And so you have that angle. You've got what I call the goal in the 2017 playoffs, the little alley-oop deal that uh, Hoffman catches at the blue line and then – buries the Forsberg move. How cool was that? Yeah, that, that might be the greatest goal in Sens history right there. Yeah, maybe. Th- th- maybe. This is Hoffman's second stint with the Sharks. Are they going to trade him tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty short-lived deal there after Hoffman got traded to the Sharks and uh, immediately flipped to the Florida Panthers back in 18. And so yeah, Doug Wilson, kind of, who was the GM at the time, really pulled a fast one on Pierre Dorian because Ideally, he didn't want him back in his own division, and there he was. And at that stage, Hoffman was a, a guy who was an up-and-comer. Like, he was about to become a top player. And, and when he went to Florida, he had his best season ever in his first year with 70 points. So, but he's, I mean, he's, at a, he's just fallen off a cliff pretty much ever since. And uh, the last two years in Montreal, Habs fans are going sayonara. Not only is this guy not producing offense, he's always been kind of iffy as far as defense goes. Yeah, I, Mike Hoffman is not a two-way hockey player in any stretch of the imagination. I, I, he he is he's the poster child of a complete lack of hockey sense. Uh, I I like, and he's pretty much finished. Like if he's not in the power play, hammering one timers, he's not really helping so much on the ice out there anymore. Uh, didn't do much while he was in Montreal. Um, I think the, the interesting thing here is it's it reunited, or not really reunited, but joining each other in San Jose. Let's not forget Anthony Duclair is there now, too. The Panthers traded Duclair to San Jose, so 
two speedy, one-dimensional, lack of hockey sense guys playing together in San Jose. It'd be interesting to see how that works out for them. Does this affect Ottawa's playoff chances now? Because I think when people predict that the Sens will make the playoffs in the East, that it will be at the expense of a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've done some things. Um, They brought in Riley Smith for a third rounder. Great deal. Stanley Cup champion just this year. And then you roll in with Eric Carlson now. I mean, do the Penguins now pose a major threat? Is that is that lessen the Sens' chances of making the playoffs, in your opinion? To a certain extent, I would think so. Yeah, good point, Steve. The, the, the Penguins are one of those teams that was, okay, they're the, they're the one that may be slipping out of here. You know, and Washington mm-hmm. may be down there as well and not, not returning to the playoffs. But this is an upgrade for sure. I just wonder... Um, how Eric Carlson's going to play in Pittsburgh. It's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be similar in a sense to when he was in San Jose with Brent Burns. you got two guys there who are going to play 50 minutes every night. Like each one of them is going to play 20 to 25 minutes every night, no problem. So I just wonder how that's uh, – what, what's going to happen the first time there's a power play and Carlson goes out and plays the whole two minutes and Latang's sitting on the bench. You know, how are, and, and you lose the game and they don't score. You know, it, it, you, you could be in for some trouble there. Um, you could be in for some trouble. Obviously, the fact that Carlson, is he now back? And really, this is the guy he's going to be for the next three years? You know, there's some adjustment there. I, I, I just To me, he was a he was one of those guys where I don't, I'm not sure that I would have wanted to acquire him. I would have let somebody else do it and, and see if they have any luck with it. It's just it's, it's a scary proposition at what is now $10 million for four years. Um, I don't know. Does it guarantee him a playoff spot? I still don't like their goaltending. Their defense isn't that strong, and you got one year older of of all of the big, the, what is now the big four, are all one year older. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, no, I, I'm in the mode of okay, they've improved. There's no guarantee, uh, but I think they've improved, and I, I just that's a team that was already as far as visualizing the coming season for the Sens. I kind of had them as an automatic in Ottawa's rearview mirror, but now they're back. Objects are closer mm-hmm. than they might appear, as the little mm-hmm. sign says there. Like that's where the Pittsburgh Penguins are. They're right on Ottawa's tail suddenly once again with Carlson. But, uh, you know, he creates a lot of offense, but he's also sometimes a liability in his own end. So we'll see what Eric Carlson, the Penguins, have acquired here. And uh, got to hand it to Kyle Dubas. He's, uh, he's he's made some good moves here. and uh, But this is still, you know, it, it could end up being like a John Tavares acquisition, right? Just completely... Uh, yeah handcuffing this franchise moving forward but uh but it's an on see. the fly it's an on the fly rebuild you know it's a rejig it's a it's a mm-hmm. move some of the pieces around bring some new pieces in it's sort of the it's one way to build a team i don't know that it's the right way i don't know that it's the championship way but it's the way that certain markets have to approach things yeah, pittsburgh being one of those markets boston probably being one of those markets that they can't afford to do a rebuild philly they can't afford to do it either, but it looks like they're finally going to do it. You know, they're finally getting rid of people and maybe starting from scratch kind of thing. And 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 it's 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 the build on the fly. It's the rebuild on the fly is the only term I can think for it. And it's uh, San Jose is probably trying to do the same thing, and it's they're they're failing. You know, it's it's if the I always say if a team like the Montreal Canadiens can bottom out and and try to go about it with draft picks and young players, then I think any franchise can. 
At Jim K. Ford, we know that your business is your livelihood. That's why we offer a wide range of Ford commercial vehicles and Ford Pro services to meet all of your professional needs. Whether you're looking for a tough, durable pickup truck or a spacious cargo van, we have the perfect vehicle for you. And with Ford Pro, we make it easy to customize your ride with options and business solutions that are tailored to your unique requirements. Take your business to the next level. Come on down to Jim K. Ford or visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln. All right, moving on. I'm going to talk about my conversation with Mark Borowiecki today. There's a guy that was an excellent soldier for the Ottawa Senators on and off the ice for the better part of a decade and then ended up signing with the Nashville Predators and closing out his career there. Of course, he had a number of concussions, including one last October in what looked like not much more than a bump, but... uh it ended up with Borowiecki going off on a stretcher, and that would be the last game he would play in the NHL. Not exactly the way you'd ideally like to go out, but after long conversations with uh, between Mark and his wife, Tara, and uh, three young kids at home, they decided to call it a career. And now the Nashville Predators stepped up and offered him a job in player development. And I wanted to play this one response because it's uh, the interview is going to be uh, in the upcoming issue of Faces Magazine coming up in September, so look for it there. But there was one answer that I wanted to play here on the podcast because it just really spoke to the, the fact, A, the Nashville Predators have got themselves a damn good one in their player development department. This guy's going to be working with some of the Predators' young pros, mostly the Nashville at, or, uh, the Milwaukee Admirals and some of the prospects as well. Um, and he's going to be talking to them and helping develop them and, and, and guiding them and, and get a load of this very thoughtful answer. When I asked him the question, if you go, if you, let me try that again. If you could go back 20 years in time and talk to your 14 year old self about the hockey career that's coming up, what would you tell him? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm glad you asked that question because this is a lot of times how I try to think about giving advice to younger players now. Um, and uh, some of it will be a little cliche, but one is, you know, you got to be present and enjoy it. Um, I think I spent so much of my career worrying about what I'd just done or what comes next that I forgot to enjoy it for what it was. And that was the opportunity to play the game that I loved and, and do what I wanted to do since I was five years old. Um, I spent so much time wrapped up in my own worries and anxieties and doubts um, I think there's a lot of times where I, where I forgot to enjoy the game of hockey. Um, and now when I go out on the ice and I run these skill sessions, I'm like, man, I, I, I love hockey. You know, I wish I'd had this mindset a little more when I played. Um, you know, number two in terms of hockey would be um, don't play to not make mistakes. Um, I spent my entire career playing to not make mistakes. Um, and I can't help but think what I left on the table in terms of my potential, um, my ability to be something more in the league. Um, and obviously there's a time and place to play a safe game, to play a smart game. Um, I'm never going to tell guys not to do that. I'm never going to tell guys to not worry about the defensive details, but I'm going to tell guys to go out there with the mindset, um, that anytime that pucks on your stick, you can be a guy to change the course of the game in a, in a positive way. And that's a mindset that I never had. Well, there's maybe a couple of years. I won't say that my, my last year in Ottawa where I had seven or eight goals, whatever it was. I, I can't put a finger on it, but that was a year where I wanted the puck on my stick. And I think the results spoke for themselves. Um, so that, you know, are two things that I would tell my previous self, but also things that I'm going to tell guys going, going, going forward to. So that level of self-awareness, Greg, 
What a major asset to the Nashville Predators organization is most guys in the NHL, you assume they have this uh, this unbelievable confidence and this bravado and borderline ego, and they don't have any level of self doubt. And and for Borvietsky to freely admit that, you know, some of the things he was dealing with, you know, sometimes I'd play to not make a mistake, and and the anxiety level that he had for some games, that that kind of uh, ability to you know, look at yourself and look at your career and, 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 and then to be able to help others avoid some of the pitfalls that he went through. I think that's going to be a real boon for the Predators organization. And I wish the Sens had, uh, had been the first to jump at Borvietsky. What do you think? What a class act. That's just yeah. high character. You know, what a, what a true, uh, just a fine young man, you know, I I I, I listen to that, and he could have easily twisted that answer into, "My coaches made me do this. My, you know, the general manager wanted me to be this type of player. This organization said I had to do this and that to get money to be to to get a salary to get a paycheck," and instead he took it inward. Uh, and now I'm not saying that he didn't feel that way inwardly, but I'm saying he could have twisted it a different way. And instead, he, he he realizes that, you know, he made decisions, he made choices to play the game a certain way, maybe to his detriment. But by the same token, I think that if you asked him a different way, he'd say, yeah, if I didn't play that way, I wouldn't have played at all. So that kind of hurts. But it, I love the second point. I tell players all the time, especially defensemen, like, make a play, make a play, try to make a play, whether it's at the offensive blue line or it's behind your own net, carrying the puck up the ice, make a play. And that's what he's referring to. The idea of, you know, how many times did I glass and out, glass and out, glass and out when he could have done something with the puck and made a play and showed them some of what he had. You know, I just, I think it's wonderful that there's that kind of self-awareness uh, to understand who and what you were, but also understand who and what you could have been and now want to pass that on to other people. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that level of experience is totally invaluable. And certainly, I think about, you know, the having fun angle, really, when you get down to it, it still exists at the pro level. You're a better hockey player if you're out there enjoying the game. And if that applies at the pro level, certainly minor hockey, it's absolutely job one, the prime directive, if you will. Like, mm. what are you doing if you're not having fun? At, you know, at NHL, you're getting paid. You know, if you're getting, if there's a money angle, Okay, there can be some times where it's not fun, but anywhere you're not getting paid to play the sport of hockey and you're not having fun, what are you doing? You know, A, you're going to be a better player if you start having fun, and if you're not having fun, you need to correct it. You know, you need to get away from the people who are removing the fun from the game for you, or maybe it's time to, you know, go do something else. If you hate the game, just you just don't want to be there anymore, but uh, there's no question you're a better hockey player if you're having fun on the ice. And uh, it even applies at the level Borvietsky played. Yeah, you're playing. Play. Yeah, it's play. The word is play. The word. We, they don't go work a game. The refs go work a game. Right. The players yeah. go play a game. I'm a player playing in a game. Like, have some fun. Enjoy yourself. Moving on. And and thanks again to Mark Borvietsky. Once again, he'll be in the September issue of Faces Magazine, and uh, we talked about a whole bunch of different things and. Every one of his answers was as thoughtful as the one you just heard there and just a prince of a guy, and I really enjoyed spending some time with him this afternoon. Moving on, though, to, and he could be in this discussion, so I move to this next. At the Hockey News, it's Enforcer Week. 
those are the things we do in the dog days of summer, Greg. Yeah. And I was asked to put together a list of the Ottawa Senators enforcers, and you'll be able to see that here in the next 24 hours at THN.com uh, slash Ottawa. And I wonder, and you can take it any way you want. It can be your favorite enforcer or the enforcer that you'd least like to mess with. Can you think oh. of two or three that would fit the bill for you? I always liked Brian McGratton. I, I can remember going to a preseason game, and I don't remember if it went to a shootout or they just did a shootout anyway, but it went on forever, and McGratton was the one who got the winning goal. It was hilarious. Everybody yeah. loved every minute of it. Everybody always loves the enforcers. I liked Brian McGratton. I liked Mike Peluso in his day, but I'm also a fan of the uh, the the lower weight class guys. I always liked watching a Darcy Lowen running around like a whirling dervish out there and, and willing to mix it up with anybody anytime. And I think that's the type of player that, uh, that Ridley Gregg's going to be. And to a certain extent, that's what Brady is. He's not really a heavyweight, but I like those kind of guys. I don't know that I'm really a uh, – have the Senators really had – like I'm, you you put the list together. So who did you come up with who's like the, the pinnacle of tough guy and nothing else? Did the Senators ever really have guys like that, do you think? Well, I mean, Chris Neal, I mean, he's... Okay, he's but the, I, I uh, mean a guy who couldn't play. I mean, like, from the days of... Uh, I mean, I'm going to go way back, but, the, you know, the early days of goonerism in hockey, where you had guys that couldn't even play, and all they did was they were there just to fight. The Senators really yeah. have guys like that? My list of one-dimensional players, I don't know if it would include him, because I'd have to sort of go back. He was here for such a short time. Yeah. But Matt Cassian would be another one. Oh, yeah. Yep. He would be one. Brian McGratton, I'd put in the one-dimensional enforcer yep. category, probably. Um, but two we haven't mentioned. So, like, I don't want to give you my full f- list of five because I want people to go to the hockey news and check it I out. Understand. But I'm just dabbling in it in the conversation here. But I would say Chris Neal would be my top three. Um, would be Chris Neal would be in there. Brian McGratton, I will always be so fond of him for breaking Ty Domi's nose one night. That was just the best thing I've ever seen, like right on the button, and Domi skates right off the ice. And I don't mean to sound like I'm, you know, all about the violence or anything, but Domi was a thorn in the sin side for a long time. I think about him gooning Martin Havlat when the puck was about 15 feet away from Havlat. Really? Domi hitting Havlat? You jerk. Um, And then uh, I would say Matt Karkner would have to go in there because I thought that would be a guy that I would never want to mess with because he's country strong. He's farm strong, big country. Right. And, and he was in the fight with Derek Bugard. The boogeyman was one of the toughest guys the NHL's ever seen. And that was one of the hardest punches I've ever seen. I'm not sure I've ever seen a right hit so flushly on a player as Karkner on Bogard and Bogard would never play another game after that fight. That would be a guy that I would never, ever want to mess with. But like so many other enforcers, just the nicest guy in the universe off the ice. Yeah. Now, is, is Anton Volchenkov considered a tough guy? Um, No. No? I don't. Does he, did he ever not, get in not fights? Not a fighter. Not a fighter, but just physical led the league in shot blocking all the time. Like guy was a beast on the ice, but not a fighter, but that's a different kind of tough, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. We we've had that discussion before about there's toughness and then there's, you know, fighter toughness. And uh, I would never demean anybody who never drops the gloves, but is tough in other ways. 
you know, mm-hmm. willing to get smeared along the boards to make a play and uh, just those tough things that help you win hockey games. There's, there's two variations of toughness in my opinion. And uh, anyway, this is about enforcer week. So we were kind of one dimensional. in our reading discussion. Piece. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. At Jim K. Ford, we know that your business is your livelihood. That's why we offer a wide range of Ford commercial vehicles and Ford Pro services to meet all of your professional needs. Whether you're looking for a tough, durable pickup truck or a spacious cargo van, we have the perfect vehicle for you. And with Ford Pro, we make it easy to customize your ride with options and business solutions that are tailored to your unique requirements. Take your business to the next level. Come on down to Jim K. Ford or visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! In our last episode, we talked a little bit about Steve Steos and how he probably is going to become either some kind of CEO of hockey operations or the next GM of the Ottawa Senators. And a couple more signs that had dawned on me since we did our last episode that makes it even more likely. I mean, the the Jeff Jackson thing, I got to think that that plays into it to some degree because here you have Steos, who's in Edmonton. And of course, everybody knows about the affiliation I don't even have to reset that anymore. The affiliation he has with incoming owner, Mike Landlauer. They were in Hamilton together, won two OHL titles, business partners, all that. But Steos went to Edmonton last year, and he was seen as the heir apparent after Ken Holland. Whenever it is he decides to pack it in as GM, he seemed to be the guy. But with Jeff Jackson now rolling in, and um, what's his name? Nicholson. What's his first name? Nichols, Bob. Bob Nicholson. Yeah, Bob Nicholson moving aside to become uh, an advisor not the CEO any longer. Um, the whole vision may have changed in Edmonton with Jeff Jackson rolling in. Whatever the vision was, and Steos may have been a part of it, Jeff Jackson is the new sheriff in town. New sheriffs generally want their own deputies. So that's one point that enhances the chances that Steos may be intrigued with uh, an Andlauer reunion in Ottawa. But the other one is, is that Steve Steos is not on the Edmonton Oilers website. I must confess, I don't go on the Oilers' website very much to know that he disappeared or anything, but the Oilers' webmaster took the time in the last week here to update with Jeff Jackson and a long profile and a photo with him. There is no Steve Steos to be seen anywhere on the Oilers' website. He's not, you know, top of the food chain or anything like that, but he's high high enough up in the food chain where he's at least there somewhere on the website with a name and a photo and some kind of profile. I found it interesting that he has either disappeared or not there at all. Right. And you, and you add to that, Anthony LeBlanc is gone here in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent Mann is gone here in Ottawa. There are holes to fill here, and there seems to be an abundance of people there. So it seems like it's coming. And I'm, uh, I, mean, I should, probably shouldn't plug another podcast, but I can remember a few months back listening to a, an episode of 32 Thoughts, and it was a Steve Steos interview, and it was phenomenal listening to this guy talk and discussing Hamilton and his relationship with Andlauer. You know what? I, I I think it was over a year ago. It was before I even before I even knew Mike Landlauer was interested in the Ottawa Senators, and it was interesting to hear what the what Steos had to say. And this is a guy who's who's cut out for this kind of work. Uh, he's he's going to have a job, and I don't know that uh, that he's going to be the GM that's going to take over for Ken Holland. I don't know that it'll be Jackson either, but I, to your point of people hire their own people, that's probably got more to do with the fact that, that more to do with the possibility that Steos isn't going to stay there 
than anything else. I think Jeff Jackson's there primarily to replace Bob Nicholson, not necessarily to replace Ken Holland. But if he is going to replace Ken Holland, it's going to be with his guy, not necessarily Steve Stales. So, uh, yeah, you're right. There's all kinds of clues out there, all kinds of indicators that, that seem to say, yeah, this guy's looking for work. There's work here to be, slots here to be filled, and the day it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's necessarily looking for work or not, but I do think that uh, with the uncertainty that a a new sheriff creates in Edmonton, I think that mm-hmm. Steos is more likely to jump at the Ottawa opportunity that we all know is going to be there. I think uh, Andlauer is definitely going to extend that invitation to come join him in the capital, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Isn't it? Just as an aside, before we move away from this, I, I like Jeff Jackson. I'd heard so many things in the midst of the Alex DeBrinket discussions about that guy's a hard ass, that guy's doing DeBrinket wrong, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Listening to him in his news conference, he is smart. There's a guy that Mm -hmm. played in the NHL for a number of years, Quebec Nordiques, I think. um, Not sure the other teams, but, you know, yeah, I think he had like 200, 300 games in the NHL. So good player. Then reinvents himself as a player agent, uh, went, went to law school like really smart, really articulate, and uh, and seems like a really likable human being. So I thought, uh, yeah, I thought that was a good hire. I mean, at least in terms of first impressions, he certainly created that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's play a quick game here. Okay. I want to talk about old school Puck-doku? hockey here in just a moment. What's that? Puckdoku? Oh, you're you a Puckdoku guy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. go ahead. Old school hockey, I'm ready. I'm decent at hockey trivia. I'm not very good at puck doku. I think I gotta I gotta confess. I, I don't. Yeah. How many of them do you complete? Would you say without any help? Oh, I always complete them. Always. It's whether I. Oh yeah, it's whether I can get the the low ones. My my lowest score is uh, was a thirteen or seventeen, something like that. I, I struggle. I I really try hard to find the guy that only like one percent or less than one percent score. I love All doing right. them. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're gonna play the. We're going to play the Sens Nation podcast version of Connect Four. Okay. Okay. So we know that Kubalik and Pinto have two of the bottom six roles locked up. So we're going to connect four guys to the bottom six. Which four do you want from the following group to round out the bottom six? Okay, hold on. These are okay. Can we make it five? Because they'll carry an extra guy, won't they? Maybe. Um. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, I would think so. But well, let's just just for the purposes right, of the discussion, the we want a we want a nice even number. I don't, I'm not I'm not okay. I'm going to call whoever the uh, 13th forward is. We're, he might as well be in Belleville for the sake of this argument. <laughs> okay, okay. So this is the list: Matthew Joseph, Matthew Highmore. That would be one of the 18 players from the St. John Sea Dogs who played with Thomas Shabbat, who is now in the organization. 18. What's going on there? Anyway, um, so Matthew Highmore. Yuri Schmeichel, Zach McEwen, Mark Kastelik, Angus Crookshank, Igor Sokolov, Robbie Arventi, Ridley Gregg, and we throw him in there because I don't know his health status or what's going on, and Derek Broussard. Connect four, Greg. Connect four. Um, okay, so you say Pinto's already in. And Kubalik is you got Kubalik in the bottom. See, I don't have Kubalik in my bottom six, but anyway. Oh, you um, think he's playing in the top six in, in favor of who? Well, I think it's Kachuk, uh, Stutzla, Giroux. Oh, no, that's right. Batherson's there. I forgot Batherson. Okay. Tarasenko's yeah. just arrived in town. Yeah, you may have noticed. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that. The Terra Sync show. Okay, so to me, it's Greg, uh, Pinto, Kubalik, uh, Kostelik, Joseph. Oh, I forgot Parker Kelly, Kelly too. Parker Kelly. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that right now. It's either Kelly or McEwen on my list. Right. Greg Pinto, Joseph. Or, sorry, Greg Pinto, Kubalik, Joseph, yep. Kastelik, McEwen, Kelly. So there, I've got I got seven. Sorry, because I think right. some nights it's McEwen and some nights it's Kelly. But if I got to pick one yeah. and only one who's in my lineup, I think it's probably McEwen. They didn't sign the guy for nothing. Yeah, I'm probably going to start Matthew Joseph in my bottom three to see what that looks like. I'm going to go yeah. with Kubelik, Pinto, Ridley, Gregg, just like you did, and yep. then I'm going Matthew Joseph, Zach McEwen, and Mark Kastlick in between yep. them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Parker Kelly, a once-in-a-while type forward. I don't think um, – I mean, I don't know. I mean, I like his energy, but he doesn't thunder guys. He's – I don't know. No. He's pesky and everything, and I like his effort level. But I think I, I think I started learning this back when Ryan Shannon was an Ottawa senator. Don't oh, mistake God. busyness for accomplishment. <laughs> Ryan Shannon. There's a good puck doku answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that too. Like, like Kelly's probably the thirteenth guy. Right. But wouldn't okay. you love to see, like, you you had a bunch of names there. Wouldn't you love to see one of those guys jump up and and not necessarily play in the bottom three, but play playing the third line? Wouldn't you love to see Angus Crookshank show up and be a be a twenty goals rookie in the NHL this season? Or I don't think Sokolov's ever going to get there. But maybe it's maybe it's this Highmore guy, or maybe it's a uh, Schmeichel Schmegel, whatever his name is. One of these guys. Wouldn't you like to see somebody? Like, when's the last time Ottawa had like an exciting? Oh yeah, this guy's a true rookie of the year candidate you know shane pinto okay maybe he was a candidate maybe he wasn't sanderson maybe he was maybe he wasn't i want to see a true blue this guy's rookie of the year material it'd be nice to have one of those yeah michael is interesting i mean what does coach called him the czech hulk like just uh you know a specimen out there although the last name makes me think of lord of the rings right that little guy that turned into a troll because he was so in love with the precious huh schmeagle schmeichel you got me. No, all I think of is the Saturday Night Live guy. So you got me. You you haven't seen Lord of the Rings? I, I don't do fantasy, Steve. Oh, man. Really? No, that was great. Do that fantasy. was a great series. No. Yeah, I'm not huge into it. There's, there's exceptions, though. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. There's a few few exceptions in there. No. Anyway. No. If there's uh, a couple more things like talking, I don't do it. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, I got to say, yeah, I, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't do that stuff. Anyway, go but ahead. There was some other things. Stuff. <laughs> yes, a couple other things. The Sens Rally Tour is at Canadian Tire this Friday. Our pal Todd White will be there from 5 until 6 at the Carling Avenue Canadian Tire. Then the following uh, Thursday, you got Lori Boschman and our pal Brad Smith, friend of the show. Well, Lori Boschman is too. There's two guys that I play pickup hockey with for years. Whitey, Whitey's and a friend of the show. They're all friends of the show. Well, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> anyway. Well, he's a friend of mine too. I worked with him for three years. He won't come on the show, though. I bug him all well, the time. He won't do it because he's you know, not oh, a. I work with another team. I can't do that. Exactly. He's a, he's a Blue Jacket scout now, so it's not yeah. Good. Anyways, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yes, um, yes, and that's next Thursday, and then the following Thursday, last one's in Canada. Alumni to be determined, but uh, no, we were. And these are great. 
great for kids to go out and uh, you know have a chance to win some things and some probably some bouncy castles and things and a photo with Sparty and all that. But <laughs> let, let's be honest, like it's time for this team, particularly with a bilingual owner coming in and Michael Andlauer. It's time for this team to get busy over on the Gatineau side, is it not? Oh, it's ridiculous. Like the first two things I thought, number one was, why aren't they going to Gatineau? And, and number two was, like not only along that thought, why are they going to Gatineau and why are they only going to the main inner city centralized for Canadian tires? Mm-hmm. And then the second side of it was, where's the players in all of this? Like with all due respect to the alumni, where where are the current Ottawa Senators? Remember, they used to do this. They get in a big uh, RV and drive into the Cornwall Canadian Tire. Why aren't they doing a stop in Belleville? Like, why aren't they doing this thing all across from from up the valley to Hawkesbury and everything in between and across the river too? It's uh, I, I, it's a missed opportunity. I we we've talked about this. I I look at this the Quebec side of the river, and I honestly think that. Like on day two of this franchise, they said, ah, no, nah, they're all a bunch of have fans. No need to deal with them. And I, I honestly think that's been the mindset of this franchise ever since then. It just, they do yep. nothing on that side of the river. Yeah. I think there's a mindset from the organization that, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lost cause or something because they're all have fans over there. And I was talking to a, a buddy of mine who's French, a very French guy. And he's like, yeah, okay. Everybody thinks that that uh, nobody cares about the Sens on the Gatineau side. And and that's true, you know, to a degree, that's true. But it's because, largely because the Sens don't seem to care about them. So there's opportunity there, obviously. And that's that's another reason why a downtown arena uh, might help things along if it gets all the more convenient for the Gatineau side to go to games rather than go all the way out to Canada. But uh, no, they would do that. You know, hockey fans in Gatineau are as passionate as any in the nation. And uh, if if you extend uh, a, some level of welcome to them and spend some time over there and really get your guys out there, you got a shot. Uh, but uh, anyway, like I say, that could change with uh, the arrival of Montreal-born Michael Andlauer. I'm sure he's got uh, a game plan in the back of his mind for something. At least I hope he does. Let's hope. And speaking of French Canadians, to close it out today, certainly a sad bit of news today. This after Guy Lafleur passing away just last year. One of the most famous goals ever. Guy Lafleur in uh, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup semifinal. Montreal-Boston. Habs are down by a goal. Too many men called by Don Ch- on Don Cherry's Bruins. Guy Lafleur comes a-streaking down the right wing. Actually, comes out rather gingerly. Rather gi- <laughs> Lemaire came out rather gingerly. No, yeah. no. It dropped it to Lafleur. No, I thought it was Le, no. It was Lafleur who came out rather it was gingerly. Lafleur who came out rather gingerly. Pretty sure. <laughs> but I'm what go we're to- talking about here, though, is is the the famous falling over save attempt from the goaltender. Exactly. Everybody remembers that too. Let me go to the clip rather gingerly here. <laughs> okay. Twenty-five seconds left in the penalty, a minute and twenty-seven seconds left in regulation time. Boston four, Montreal three. Lafleur. Coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the mayor back to the floor. Oh, one of the great moments of my childhood right there, because I was a Hab fan back then, I won't lie. And uh, he beats Gilles Gilbert from long range. Gilbert falling backwards in frustration, exhaustion, 
And of course, the Habs would go on to win in overtime on an Eval Lambert goal and headed the Stanley Cup final and winning the Stanley Cup final over the New York Rangers. But uh, yeah, Jules Gilbert passing away this week. And uh, man, we've lost so many guys from the 70s. It's, uh, you know, we're just in that vintage, right? It'll happen to every hockey fan listening right now. I'm sure if you're, you know, a 25 year old listening to the show, you're thinking, oh my God, all those geezers talking about their geezer players and things. I was you. When I was 25. Yes, definitely. It's a, it, it, but you're right though. It makes you think back to times and, and I hated every minute of that series and I, I hate the Habs and they went on to win the cup and ugh. I do remember Gilles Gilbert. It's, it's interesting. You know, you should, we should maybe look at that lineup of all the players who played in that game and you wonder, right? That's 79. They were in their thirties. That's uh, 40 years ago. There's not many of them left. You're absolutely right. There's not many yeah. of them left. Uh, we shall take our leave, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget, we have a website. It is SendsNationHockey.com. If you ever miss any podcasts, by the way, you can check us out on City News. We're on every Saturday morning now from 9 until 10 a.m. And uh, I mean, for you podcast listeners, it's uh, basically a reworking of the best of the podcast on Saturday mornings. That's what it kind of equates to. So check that out on City News 101.1 FM and uh, also on the East End in uh, the Embrun area on CJRO on 107 FM. So the show's growing in leaps and bounds, Greg. It's out there. It's all out there. Uh, Enjoy your week, and we shall talk to you next time. For sure. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.